Hey, this is Stu with Bitcoin and Financial Independence. This is the second part of my real estate story, uh, a little bit more forward-looking, as well as a comparison of real estate to Bitcoin and even some other assets, and how I think about portfolio allocation at this point in my journey into Bitcoin. If you haven't listened to part one, you might find some value in going back and learning the experience I had with real estate just for context, and also a few tips and tricks to look out for. But on to today's topic, there is a Twitter account called The BTC Therapist, so The Bitcoin Therapist, and he has this graphic that he made that says, choose one to build your wealth for 20 years. And it starts out with stocks, and all of these assets have four characteristics. So the characteristics of stocks, infinite. In a way, this is true because there is no limit to the amount of companies that can become publicly traded. There is also no limit to the amount of shares that can also be issued. I can think of a recent example where AMC and GameStop were going up in value and pumping. And so they issued more shares while the price was up so that they could use that money to invest in other areas of the business and keep themselves from going bankrupt. Kind of dumb on the part of the meme stock traders. So that's the first characteristic of stocks is that they are infinite uh, in the amount of shares that can be issued. They're also centralized. You have to go through a broker. You can't just go to some decentralized marketplace and get shares of a company. They have central ownership, they have CEO, they have board, and they work through investment banks to certify that you own shares in a company. Now, a pro of stocks is that it is very liquid. Uh, the, a con is that it has no utility, meaning you can't buy any groceries with a share of apples. There's no real utility other than title to a portion of the company. Real estate is up next. It is relatively scarce. There's only so much land that will be developed, but you can definitely develop still a lot of land on the earth, and you can also make high-density housing. And obviously, Elon Musk wants to colonize Mars, so I guess that's on the table too. That would give a little bit more real estate. And don't forget the metaverse, of course, where you could buy some digital real estate. Just joking. Don't do that. But it is also centralized to cities and counties and states and countries that you have to work through to own real estate, to have title to that property. There's a centralized way that you have to go about dealing with real estate. It is also not liquid. You cannot sell off your third bathroom and buy stuff with it. So you have to sell the whole house or you have to get a home equity line of credit. Uh, but real estate itself is not liquid. And it does have utility because obviously everyone needs somewhere to live. Next up would be precious metals. They also have relative scarcity. Um, they can be centralized or decentralized. It can be either one. Just depends. Uh, you can buy ETFs or buy gold or silver through some other custodian that's going to secure that for you. Or you can go dig it up and mine it yourself, or you can buy it with cash, or you can trade with it, all sorts of stuff. So not necessarily centralized, uh, not necessarily decentralized. Uh, it's relatively liquid, as long as you can move it and secure it, and make sure it's not counterfeited. And it does have some utility in manufacturing, and I guess you could say some utility as money, because some people will barter and trade with precious metals. And then you have Bitcoin, which has absolute scarcity and is more decentralized than any other asset in theory. It's also very liquid, just like stocks, and it has utility of transferring payments to pretty much anyone in the, in the world on the network within a matter of seconds or less. So I guess it's pretty obvious which one I choose and which one the Bitcoin therapist chooses. But I thought that was an interesting graphic, and maybe I'll try to make a companionship blog post to go with this episode. Uh, I haven't done that in a long time, but it might help you to see this, although it does pop up on Bitcoin Twitter every once in a while. Another point about real estate in general, Mitchell Hodel, that's H-O-D-L, 
is someone I also follow on Twitter. He put out a tweet that was directed at Gen Z. He says, if you have any desire to purchase a home one day, you must start saving in Bitcoin. Real estate becomes perpetually more expensive saving in dollars and perpetually cheaper when saving in Bitcoin. And I think he's got a point there. And the chart goes on to show this, that homes are getting cheaper priced in Bitcoin and they're getting more expensive when priced in dollars. Now, this is another thing I read that kind of goes through the assets. I don't know who to credit for this, but if you store your wealth in equities, you are trusting CEOs and executives to remain competitive in a rapidly changing society. If you store your wealth in treasuries, think of bonds in this case, you are trusting the government to not debase the currency. Okay, can you trust the CEOs? Can you trust the, the government or the central banks? Uh, you know, just depends. If you store your wealth in gold, you are trusting gold miners to not mine more gold or too much gold if its pricing increases. If you store your wealth in real estate, you are trusting your government to not extort you via property tax and for nature to not deteriorate your property too fast. Obviously, like tornadoes, earthquakes, things like that can really mess up your real estate investments and cost you a lot of money. If you store your wealth in Bitcoin, you are trusting that an unaltered math equation will yield the same answer every time. That was another interesting take on it. Here's another from Bitcoin for Freedom on Twitter. He says, gold is so bad at storing value that rich people have to store it, store value in stocks, real estate, paintings, and wine. Nothing comes close to Bitcoin. Now, the same guy, this was a post that really got me thinking about making this episode was Bitcoin for Freedom. He said this back in November of 2022. He says, real estate became an investment instead of a cost of living because we didn't have a perfect monetary battery like Bitcoin. That makes sense to me. BlackRock or Blackstone or, or whatever hedge funds that are buying up millions of single family homes, I don't think that is what they want to do with their money or necessarily plan to do with their money initially. But I think that's what they feel like they have to do just to keep up, just to store their money. They've got trillions of dollars in assets under management and they have to do right by their customers that are holding their fund. And real estate in general is a decent battery. It's a decent way to store wealth. It became a store of wealth instead of a cost of living. The same day I came across that tweet, there was another one from Hodel D. He says, no one should have to speculate to maintain their purchasing power. Opt out with Bitcoin. And this is another interesting thought because a lot of people think that we are speculating with Bitcoin. But in reality, you're not because there's only 21 million. We know that there's a fixed supply that is validated by the miners and the nodes and those rules are enforced and no one can change those rules. Well, actually they can. And they can do what Bitcoin Cash did, what Bitcoin Satoshi's vision did, BSV, what all these other Bitcoin imitators did and broke off and changed. You can go and buy these tokens that align more with what you think it should be. But the votes will be cast by what is used and what is allocated to. And obviously, Bitcoin is continuing to win even after the block size wars back in 2017 and Bitcoin Cash is losing. But the point is, is that we know no one can debase Bitcoin. No one can print more. And if they did want to, it would be super expensive, super hard to do as well. You would have to either hack tens of thousands of computers and make them like change the code somehow and do a 51% attack, or you'd have to get a bunch of miners together, which would be super expensive electricity-wise, and you would have to be able to allow yourself to do a double spend, and you'd have to maintain a separate blockchain going forward. Uh, it's just extremely hard to do. I don't think it's feasible for anyone at this point. And the point is, is that with Bitcoin, you are not speculating. You know how much there is. There's only a certain amount. And as long as that is true and people are accepting of those rules and opting into this system, 
that is going to be the case. You don't have to speculate because you can know with certainty how much Bitcoin you own at all times. So I like that thought. It's really interesting to me to think this way. No one should have to speculate to maintain their purchasing power. But you do see speculation on stocks. And is this company going to win? Is that company going to win? Who has the better business model? Who has more cash flow? Who pays a bigger dividend? Who's got the better CEO? There are so many unknowns with stocks. There are so many unknowns with real estate. You know, California was obviously the place to be for a long time. But the exodus out of San Francisco and Oakland and all these places coming into Idaho and Utah and all these other states. This also happened to Detroit, and I think it's happening to some degree to Chicago and to Illinois in general. Just people are flocking to states that are more free, like Florida, like Texas, I think even Missouri. People are voting with their feet. But the point is, with real estate, you still have to speculate. At a certain point in time, Detroit was the place to be if you wanted to have a great job on the manufacturing line for Ford or for one of the big automakers, that's the place to be. That's where the innovation is happening. That's where the huge industry is happening. Same thing with Silicon Valley. That's shifting, that's distributing um, as remote work came into play and geographic arbitrage. Even Massachusetts had a mass exodus of tech. Used to have a ton of tech startups there. It used to be very business friendly, but that all changed and the businesses left. So with real estate, you have to speculate. With stocks, you have to speculate. With Bitcoin, there are certainties that you do not have to guess about, that you just know 100%. And if you want to participate, you have the chance to. If you don't, you don't have to. No one's going to force you. So next up, I want to share this investment breakdown I came across. This is something I've been looking into is Bitcoin mining. And this is a Bitcoin mining versus real estate chart. So we're going to do a compare and contrast here. Bitcoin mining generates passive income in a scarce asset. Real estate generates passive income in inflating dollars, but also possibly in, a, in an inflating asset because real estate is, in a kind of way, a store of value. Okay, so Bitcoin mining, not subject to property taxes. Real estate is. Bitcoin mining is fungible and liquid. Real estate is neither of those things. Bitcoin mining is semi-portable. Real estate is in a fixed location. Uh, you can always move your miner somewhere else where the electricity is cheaper. Bitcoin mining has passive income automatically generated daily. Real estate has passive income generated monthly via rent collection. So that's an interesting breakdown. Uh, I've definitely thought about getting a miner. There's ways that you can get a hosted miner where someone will set it up and, and rack it and maintain it for you. And you will just collect the Bitcoin that it generates. There will be a fee on top of that. But there's also ways that you can mine Bitcoin yourself at home. These are loud computers, though. They generate a lot of heat, and a miner will typically take 240 volts, so you have to plug them in where your dryer normally goes. Or have an electrician come install another one of those outlets somewhere in your house. Definitely something I've looked into, but I don't think I'm ready for. I have looked into the company Futurebit, which has a quiet and not very powerful miner, but it is something, and I am definitely curious and open to getting that at some point. So how I look at things, because I've got my primary house and I've got a rental, this condo that I talked about in part one. The condo is renting for $1,250. My expenses on a month where there's no problems is about $900 a month. So I'm generating about $350 in cash flow every month, which is about $4,200. The mortgage is small. It's barely over $100,000 at this point. And the PMI... I do have private mortgage insurance on it, 
but it's a minimal amount. I think it's an extra $20 a month. So relatively cheap PMI because I had good credit. But the principal is getting paid down about $150 a month. So if you take that $150 plus $350, I am generating about $500 a month or $6,000 a year. And that's before any tax breaks. And that's before any appreciation of the property. But as I mentioned in part one, there have been some plumbing issues. There also was a fire and a lawsuit. And there is some deferred maintenance on the properties with hand railings that are falling apart. And that's something that people complain about at every HOA meeting. And they were having a hard time getting insured. They did have a special assessment that cost $1,000. So I wiped out three months of cash flow to pay this special assessment. That was just to pay for our insurance, which they are still shopping around and hoping to get a better rate. Otherwise, we will need another special assessment or the HOA rate is just going to go up. A lot of the HOA rates in my area are around four or 500 bucks a month. Mine is less than 300. And uh, it just seems that maybe this is the time that this is going to bump up. So my condo has gone from $125,000 in value to about $200,000 of value, maybe a little bit more. And how I'm thinking about this, originally, my thesis was that this is a low risk, low reward. But what I got instead was a big reward. I did not expect it to appreciate by 60%. And so when I step back and evaluate it going forward, I got this big unanticipated reward but how does the economy and, and the circumstances and the interest rates and everything look now? If I were to assess the property today, I would say that I am expecting small rewards still because it doesn't cash flow that much and because I don't think it'll appreciate that much. On the contrary, I think it has a good chance of dropping in price. And so I would say that my potential reward from cash flow is low, it's small, and my potential risk is probably medium and not small anymore. Because they're having so many issues getting insurance for the building because of the aluminum wiring, the HOA dues are going up. I have a special assessment for the last two years of $1,000, which wipes out three months of cash flow and one month of rent, basically. And that's just a tread water. There's some deferred maintenance that still needs to be done. And there used to be two pools, but they're shutting them down for this year so they don't have to maintain the pools. So the, the value to the renter is going down as well. Uh, the housing market might crash. I don't know. We might have a hard landing in a recession here soon. But if there is some sort of a housing crisis or a housing bust, condos are historically the first thing to drop in value and the last to rise in value on the next bull run. So that's my analysis right now. Part of me wants to sell the place, cash out, and roll it into a better property that I analyze and I think is going to do better going forward. Uh, something I think could be a big reward with a medium risk and not a small reward like what I'm getting and what I think I will continue to get. I could probably rent it for about fourteen to fifteen hundred instead of twelve fifty because I haven't raised rents in almost two years. So I could offset these HOA due increases, but we'll just have to see what happens. My tenants are supposed to move out this summer and give me sixty days notice, but that puts us out to August now, end of summer. So I'll have to see what they decide because it's also not a great time for them to be buying a house with interest rates so high. So maybe they'll want to stay longer and I don't necessarily want to sell it out from underneath them either. Uh, it just seems like a big hassle. But if I want to continue to self-manage this property, that's another thing is they call me directly whenever they have a problem. I could hire a property manager and make my life a little bit easier. That might be another solution that would eat into my cash flow some more. But we'll see. I've also looked at getting a home equity line of credit against it my investment property, but that's not very easy to do. 
Uh, they usually do that against primary homes and specifically for the purpose of improving the property and not to buy other properties or to invest in other areas. So a few things to think about and to work through there as far as my rental property goes. My current home also has appreciated significantly as we've continued to make improvements into the yard, to the interior and to the exterior. We've worked pretty hard to get it in a much better place and we are always looking to make it better every month. The mortgage on my house Right now it's fifteen hundred, but it really should be about thirteen fifty because uh, I just have to rebuild the escrow. That the property tax went up and the HOA went up a little bit, so our mortgage is elevated right now. But realistically, it's going to be about thirteen fifty, assuming the taxes stay about the same next year, which I think is possible because home prices have plateaued or dipped a little bit. It's in a desirable neighborhood. I've seen homes in this neighborhood that are renting from two thousand to twenty four hundred dollars. So if we wanted to rent out this house. We could, in theory, cash flow between $500 and $900 a month, paying a $1,500 mortgage. And like I said, hopefully it goes down by $100, $150. Once the escrow account is back where it needs to be, it doesn't seem very far-fetched to possibly be cash flowing this property at $1,000 a month, which is three times as much what the condo can get for us. Now, one of the problems is that we probably need a new roof and a new water heater. There's still some improvements we need to make around the house. Uh, we've got bamboo that needs to be maintained. We've got a big yard. The yard is 0.6 acres. It's just kind of a lot. There is uh, some invasive species in the ditch still, some privet and some other things that just need to be kept on top of. Otherwise, they will start to encroach on your yard and the part that you want to keep open. Uh, there's also those tough neighbors that you just never know if they will start causing problems. So there's a few things going on. It's a nice home. We like it. We like the school. But we have talked about at some point moving to the country buying probably at least 40 acres of land and not really going off the grid. I am a little bit more this way. My, my wife is a city girl, but I'll just share like what my dreams are, my thoughts are to some degree is to buy 40 acres, get a couple of natural disaster proof houses like no tornado, no storm, no nothing is going to take this thing off the ground. I'm talking about getting a 3D printed concrete home that's just not going to go anywhere. And when it comes to 3D printed homes, I'm still researching. I have yet to find a company in my area that does this type of home. But you are pretty limited on your floor plan and your square footage. And so what I've thought about doing is actually getting two 3D printed homes and use one as an Airbnb because people love the novelty of that. And it would also be a place where we have a shop where you can keep some dirt bikes and mountain bikes. And we could have these experiences there where people could come and stay at the property ride mountain bikes, ride motorcycle trails and tracks, just have some fun, uh, do some camping, maybe some hunting, things like that. Have a few farm animals just where we can uh, kind of subsist on our own to some degree with the basics. It sounds kind of crazy and far-fetched. I'm not sure we'll ever get there to this point, but you know, depending on where my career goes and where my wife's business go, also maybe doing some homeschooling so we can have ultimate freedom, ultimate sovereignty. These are just kind of my ideas and we are still exploring what this might or what this could end up looking like in the future. It's still a long way out if we we're ever going to pull the trigger on this. Anyway, I'm getting off track, but that's kind of how I see real estate. I definitely see purpose and utility in owning a home. I definitely see the value of having some land that maybe you could subsist on if nuclear war breaks out or just any of these things. I sound like a crazy prepper, and maybe I am. I have that in the back of my mind a little bit. But yeah, I just think it's smart to have land like that to have some resources like that to have a creek and be able to collect rainwater and yeah i'm going to stop before i sound too crazy the point is is that i still think real estate is a viable part of the picture monetarily for me and especially as a way to generate income 
like I said, with the Airbnbs or even letting people pay a fee to use your land, things like that. I would also definitely be interested in having three to five rental homes that if they could all cash flow about 500 bucks a month and I could have a base income of, say, 1500 to $3,000 a month, I think that's just a really awesome safety net to have. And all the while, the mortgages are getting paid down. If you need liquidity, you get HELOCs, possibly, or you always have the option to sell one or to roll all your profit when, when times are good into paying off a mortgage entirely and just growing your cash flow and, and kind of doing a debt snowball with real estate. I don't want to be a real estate mogul exactly, but I'm definitely interested in having it as a diversifier, as a way to make more fiat currency so that I can buy more Bitcoin and just have a fallback because I could always, you know, not renew the lease with a renter or go month to month if I want to actually move into that house. Uh, I think there's value in having rentals that you would actually want to live in that area just as a geographic arbitrage opportunity depending on how things go in the country. So lots of thoughts there. I think it will always be a decent part of my portfolio. I really haven't done stocks for the last couple of years and I probably won't until I start getting a 401k match again because it just isn't worth it to me at this point. I would rather have Bitcoin and I'd rather have real estate. And what's funny is Corey Clipston just tweeted a few days ago that Bitcoin is greater than real estate and Swan Research is going to prove exactly why and by how much. And he said that in reference to another tweet by Alpha Zeta, which I believe is Raphael on the Swan team. And what that tweet says is, a 300 trillion plus market monetized for decades through easy credit, tax breaks, and the illusion of a store of value. When you account for all costs, including dealing with tenants, it doesn't even get close to breaking even. Now, I don't like to swear, but real estate is the ultimate shiz coin, altcoin. So that's kind of interesting. And Raphael recently gave a really good webinar for Swan Bitcoin about their IRA product. And they have this awesome tool, this portfolio analysis tool called Nakamoto Portfolio. And that only deepened my distaste for stocks at this point. So anyway, interesting stuff going on there. I'm excited to see the research that Swan brings to light about Bitcoin versus real estate. This is an interesting topic to me because I feel like there's a lot of focus on investing in the traditional finance world and that it's kind of gotten easier with companies like Fundrise, Streetwise, Fintor, and a few others that are making access to big real estate deals more possible for the little guys through crowdfunding. I'll share more as I learn more about that as well. So hope you enjoyed that. Hope I don't sound like uh, too much of a crazy prepper, but hope you learned and got some insight on how I view real estate, how real estate compares to Bitcoin. And remember, financial independence is doable. I'll be back with you soon.